Howdy, everyone. It's easy to see how we live in difficult times, and things are just so tense in our society. But what's incredible is God's Word, the Bible, has a way of speaking into every season of life, including the difficult seasons. And the passage that we're going to look at today, these texts were picked couple months ago, and yet God knew as a church family we needed to hear his words on these topics today. So before we jump into the book of Ephesians, let's talk about dogs and cats for a minute. Isn't it awesome that God made dogs and cats? I mean, imagine a world where there was only dogs or only cats. No, there's something beautiful about the fact that there are dogs and cats. There's lots of different kinds of dogs, and there's lots of different kinds of cats. And that's God's idea. That's actually diversity, right? We love diversity because it was God's idea to make dogs and cats. And I know what you're thinking. You're going, I'm not really a dog person, or I'm not really a cat person. But it's great that there are dog people And cat people, there are people that just love their dogs way too much, you know what I mean? Or they love their cats way too much. There are dog people and cat people, and what's interesting is dog people and cat people, they get to a point where they start loving their dogs so much that they think that that means that they have to prove to everyone that dogs are better than cats. Or they love their cats so much, they're like, cats are so smart and dogs are so stupid. Why would you love dogs? And we get to a point with this diversity where we see it as dog people versus cat people. Like it's some kind of fight to prove which is a better animal. Instead of realizing, man, it's great that there are people that love dogs and people that love Cats, and the world is a better place because of dog people and cat people. It's so easy for us to devolve into us versus them. I mean, why? Why does everything have to be boiled down, devolved into us versus them? Why do dog people have to tell cat people they're wrong and they're stupid? And if you would only love dogs more than cats, And it seems like that's happening in every aspect of our society today. We can't just look at diversity and say, this is God's diversity. This isn't us versus them. This isn't strong versus weak, better versus not better. No, this is God's diversity. Why is it that we can't just say, my experience in life is different than your experience in life? It's because It's me versus you in so many areas of life right now, and it's ratcheting up in this tension, and God's word has something to say about these issues. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me, flip it on, turn it on, flip it open, however you roll, Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 12, where Paul is going to teach us something that may not be obvious which helps us to understand why among people like you and me, it devolves into us versus them. And it may not be really obvious at first, but what he's going to do in helping us to see this issue really could change the trajectory of your week. 
it could really change the trajectory of our country if as Christ followers we understood what was going on behind the scenes in this us versus them tension. So we've been working our way through this letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. He loves these people. He's writing to them from prison. And he's teaching them some deep theology, but it's also really practical. So it's theological and practical all in this one letter. And he's saying to them, you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus. And now because of your faith in Christ, you're more than a sinner, you're a son, you're a daughter of God. And this is more than just saving you from hell. This is more than just about the afterlife. This is about being a part of the family of God on earth now, where we're called to be completely humble and gentle, bearing with one another, preserving the unity of the diverse family of God. At times, he calls us in this book to take one for the team. And he says to them, you're more than animals. You're not just dogs or cats who go with your feelings or your appetites. You have the spirit of God inside you. So you can change and be different. You don't have to follow your appetites. You got the spirit of God and so now you can say yes to Jesus and no to sin and live a life that's very different where your old thoughts have gone away and you've filled with new thoughts where your old affections have gone away and they're replaced with the affections of Christ. And now as Paul gets to the end of this letter, he brings up this last really important topic to teach us about in Ephesians chapter six, starting in verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I mean, these 63 words have so much insight into what's happening in our country, what's happening among Christians right now. And they not only help us to diagnose the tension occurring in the family of God and in our country, but also give us practical insight on how to handle this tension so that we could listen to one another, that we could learn from one another, that we could celebrate our diversity and be agents of justice and peace and love in this world. Look what he says. He says in verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. What does that mean? Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So here's what I want you to do. Flip back to Ephesians chapter one. Go back a couple pages or scroll back. Ephesians chapter one, verse 15. Paul's gonna unpack what he means at the end of the book by looking at this beginning section. He prays, at the start of this letter, he prays this in Ephesians 1.15. He says, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Listen to what he's praying. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the glorious Father 
may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know God better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Listen, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated Jesus at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Wow, that's a mouthful. What's he saying? Paul's like, listen, Jesus came to earth and died physically. He died physically and rose again physically, but something more than physical occurred when Jesus died physically. They watched his physical body nailed. They watched his physical body die. They watched his physical body rise. They watched his physical body ascend back to God. But something more took place than the physical realm, something in the spiritual realm. Jesus, by living and dying and rising again from the dead, provided forgiveness from sin and changed the entire universe spiritually. Verse 21, Jesus is now seated far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked. He's not only in the present age high above this, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet. You see, because of his death and resurrection, Jesus stands over everything physical and spiritual. What does that mean? It means he's superior in all things, in every dimension, in all aspects of this universe. So he offers his life and death and resurrection to pay for our sins on the cross so that anyone and everyone who puts their trust in Jesus can have access to life, physical and spiritual, in the realm of realities, just crazy goodness in every way. But now in this season of life, it doesn't look like Jesus has both the physical and the spiritual realm under his feet, does it? So God's like, he's high above everything and everything is under his feet. He's reigning and ruling over every aspect of this universe, but it doesn't look like that, does it right now? I mean, sin and death and disease and destruction and all the chaos and all the injustice that we're witnessing today is evidence that there is a battle going on. It's a battle in both the physical and the spiritual realm. One day, Jesus is going to return and make all things right and new. One day, there'll be no more suffering, no more injustice, no more wars over cats are better than dogs. None of that. Instead, we'll live at peace with God and at peace with other people. But right now, we live in this in-between moment where Jesus is victorious and he's also patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to have access by faith to the forgiveness and the family of God. But we live in this tense in-between moment in our world. It's why Paul ends this letter by saying in Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power because he knows we see this world through physical eyes only and we don't understand and see the spiritual battle taking place 
for the hearts and minds of people. Christ stands victorious over physical and spiritual, yet we don't experience that full victory yet. So he says, Christ follower, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Notice he doesn't say be strong in yourself and in your mighty power. He says, no, in Christ's power. That's where you're to stand. He's inviting followers to exchange your strength for Christ's strength. There's this battle taking place in our world. You could live by your strength. He's saying, no, I'm inviting you into something different, into the very power that rose for Christ from the dead. That power lives inside of you now. So rather than living by your power, your brain, your credentials, your finances, your abilities, your strengths, he's saying, no, exchange those. You're a child of God. You can choose to live in the power of Christ, or you can continue to live in your own power, which is another way of Paul saying, you can be a part of the spiritual problem, or you could be a part of the spiritual solution. And it's all about, are you willing to exchange your strength for Christ's strength? He continues in verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Another exchange. He says, exchange your clothing for God's armor. So when you put your trust in Jesus, remember you changed clothes. You used to be a sinner, but now you're a son, a daughter of the king. And if you walk around planet Earth simply son, daughter, and don't armor up, you're vulnerable. You may be in the Lord, but are you strong in the Lord? And Paul is saying, okay, you're in the Lord by faith in Jesus Christ, but I'm telling you, you've got to be strong in the Lord, which requires you to put on armor so that when you go to work and you deal with stress at home and when you see all the tension and injustice and the things that are happening of difficulty and division in our world today, are you just in the Lord or are you strong in the Lord? Are you vulnerable to attack? Why do we need armor? What's this attack part? He says, there's someone out there beyond Jesus in the spiritual realm. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. Someone else. There's someone the Bible calls the devil or Satan that's also working in the physical and the spiritual realm, wreaking havoc and if you don't armor up, son, daughter of the king, then you're vulnerable. Now, I know what some of you think. You're like, really? Satan, demons, like, come on. That's just hogwash. Next, you're probably gonna tell us there's an angel on one shoulder and a demon on another whispering into your ear, influencing you to do different things. But just stick with me for a moment. Before you dismiss all of this as hogwash, is there good and evil in this world? I mean, you answer that question for yourself. Is there good and evil in this world? Is the chaos that we're seeing in our country right now simply the result 
of good people doing good things and bad people doing bad things? Is that what's going on? Or is there more? Is there really good and really evil? In my opinion, I see people doing really good things. Sometimes good things that just blow my mind. Like how can they do that act of kindness, that act of love, that act of generosity? Like what drives that? That act of goodness seems supernatural. And then there are times that I see acts of evil that it's just like, I have no way of explaining this. How could someone be that bad? How could someone do that kind of evil? Where does that come from? See, my sense is that God is the source of all that is good in this world. And Satan is the source of all that is evil. And evil is real because Satan and demons are real. And you might think, that's just weird, that's just whack. Is that possible? Just look around. Are the things you're seeing on television, the pain, the tension, the division, is that just natural? Is that just normal? Is that just physical? Or is there more going on? I submit to you there's more going on than what we're experiencing in the physical realm. The Bible describes Satan this way. Listen, Jesus says in John 8, that Satan was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When Satan lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So when Satan reproduces, he reproduces liars. Have you seen any liars around? Jesus goes on in John 10, 10 to say that his role, Satan's role, is to steal and to kill and to destroy. Have you seen stealing and killing and destroying? And Satan doesn't do these evil things in obvious ways. Really important. He doesn't do evil things in obvious ways. Instead, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14, that Satan masquerades as an angel of light. What does that mean? It means Satan and his demons take on the form of goodness. And light, they dress up as something good. He's a master actor and uses deception. So he doesn't do evil things in a seemingly evil way, but he twists and he brings about division and destruction in deceptive ways. Here's how I'll explain it. Have you watched a movie or maybe a Broadway show where there's an actor or actress that portrays their part in such a profound way that as you watch the show or watch the movie, you're convinced their character is that person. It's because that actor or actress has practiced and practiced and practiced over weeks and months. So somehow you're watching this film and the person sounds British so that they must be British, but you find out they have an accent from the Bronx. It's because they've worked so hard, practiced so hard for weeks and months to deceive you that they're British. 
Satan and demons have practiced for thousands of years how to deceive you and me. And it never comes in obvious ways. Never. So Paul says in verse 12, Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. The tension is not against flesh and blood. It's his way of saying, you think this is about people. You think the division and the destruction you're seeing is about people, but it's not about people. Our major problem is not in the physical realm. Our major enemy is not people. Paul says, no, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, the natural, the physical, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's so much more going on than we can perceive and see in this natural, physical world. There are spiritual realities taking place that are the driving forces behind the chaos we're watching unfold. I'll try to explain it practically with you for just a moment. Let me, let me show you this list. Check out this list. When you see this, dog, cat, male, female, black, white, white collar, blue collar, Democrat, Republican, rich, poor, citizen, immigrant, what do you see? When we just look at the lists like this, I see tension. I see agenda. I see politics. I see problems. I see division. I see dog versus cat, male versus female, black versus white, white collar versus blue collar, Democrat versus Republican. It's this battle tension that's going on. Is that the intent? These are all people. Well, not the top two. Down here, all people. These are people that are male, people that are black, people that are white collar, blue collar, people that are Democrat, Republican, people that are citizen, immigrant. And yet, there's so much division. Why? This is God's diversity. This is the beautiful aspect of God creating a world that has differences. This is not his design for tension and destruction, and yet it's so quick for us to us versus them for the battle to take place. What is going on? Let me try to explain it further. You see that diversity of male and female of those people that have more and those people that have less, those who can really work with their hands and those who can't. All of that is God's beauty and diversity, and that's a wonderful thing. But you know, in any level of diversity, something happens. This is important. When there's diversity, we disagree. And you know, that's okay. There is nothing wrong with where there are diverse opinions and diverse perspectives and diverse, diverse experiences and ethnicities. There is nothing wrong with being disagreeing with one another. We're different. But here's where things start to slide. 
You see, it's okay to disagree. Of course we're gonna disagree. But when we start to become disagreeable, you've heard it said, right? You could disagree without being disagreeable. See, this is where as humans, our sin and the deception of Satan pits us against each other. And we start to say, I'm better than you. I'm stronger than you. My race, my political opinion, my status as a citizen is more important than yours. And we begin to power up and we begin to say, I'm better, you're worse, I'm stronger, you're weaker, I'm richer, you're poorer. And we push people down and we lift ourselves up and that is sin and that is the deception of the evil one. And it's just a hop, skip, and a jump from being disagreeable to division. And this is what we're seeing in our country. Everything is divided. And you don't move from diversity to division that quick. It, it goes through steps. We begin to disagree and then we become disagreeable and sin takes that into division and then we get to destruction. Isn't this what we're seeing? Is this more than physical? The diversity that's in our country and in our lives and in the church? Of course we're gonna disagree, but you don't have to be disagreeable. And we don't have to be divided. And the destruction of character, the destruction of reputation, the destruction of property, the destruction of life, is this all just physical? This is just stuff happening on the physical realm. Or is there more? Remember the description of Satan that he steals and kills and destroys. Is there more going on? I think so. So you go back to this list and you see dog people, cat people, male people, female people, citizen, immigrant and what is Satan doing? Instead of us celebrating the diversity and disagreeing with one another without being disagreeable, what does Satan do? He is deceptive. To cause us to battle against each other. I'm stronger. I'm better. I'm smarter. And he's done it in the church. So Christians like you and me saying all those Republicans, all of those Democrats, the moment we do that, we've fallen into the trap, the deception of the evil one. All of those black people, all of those white people, all of those rich people, all of those poor people, all of those immigrants, all, all, and we're falling into this trap where the evil one is deceiving us to not see the beauty of diversity, not agree to disagree, but to divide and to destroy each other. It's happening everywhere. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're listening right now, you're a part of the, the family of God. Can you listen to me for a moment? When people become your enemy, Satan is using you as a pawn. When people are your enemy, 
you're being used. Because the Bible's really clear. First Peter 5, 8, it says that our enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. It's not people. You know, in the game of chess, pawns are just throwaway pieces to protect the king and the queen or to help the king and the queen move on their agenda. And when we give in and we start us versus them, we don't see people, we see problems, we see politics, we see agenda, then we are being used by Satan, used by Satan to promote division and destruction instead of unity and peace. But you're a child of God. You're no pawn. Spirit of God lives inside of you. You could be a part of our country's problem or a part of our country's solution. You might say, well, well what do I do? Well, how do I fix this? Where do I go? I mean, Paul makes it clear. Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Again, exchange your strength and your clothing for Christ's strength in God's armor. It takes a ton of humility. It takes a ton of wisdom to see that we are being used as Christians, as pawns, to, to make the decision with humility and love to say, I will not be used to destroy diversity. I will disagree, but I won't be disagreeable. I won't be an agent of division. I will be an agent of unity. I will not take part in the destruction of the human race. No way. See, it's a choice that I make to say I'm going to be more than just a son or daughter who coasts through life and goes with my feelings, goes with my opinions, goes with my experiences, goes with my friends. I'm going to choose to say I will walk in God's strength and with his armor, not my own. And so Paul continues, read the rest of Ephesians chapter six, and he details the armor of God, which requires a daily humility to put on, to make choices. He gives us the weapons we can use so that we're not deceived and we're not a part of the problem. But in my strength and from my experience and with my flesh and from my perspective, I will see the world in my own way, in a sinful, self-centered way, but what if I saw the world through Christ's eyes? What if I saw people and not politics? What if I saw people and not gender? People and not color? People and not immigrant? People and not economics? What if I was not threatened by diversity, but I celebrated God-centered diversity? What if I wasn't disagreeable that I didn't feel like I had to jam my opinion down everyone's throat. Dogs are stupid. That's how many of us sound as Christ followers right now. Telling everyone they're stupid and you're not. My dog is better than yours. That's how we sound. It's pathetic. We don't have to live this way. You know what? Satan hates 
love and justice. He hates it, but God is love and justice. Satan hates Jesus and he hates the church of Jesus. He's going to do everything he can to silence the voice of Christ in your ear and divide the church. Are you going to let him? Is this only physical? Or there's more going on that you have to decide, I'm going to take a stand against the physical realm by putting on the armor of God and seeing the world as Jesus sees the world. I, I like to imagine God's family photo. You know when you're on the beach and you take a family photo and everyone wears the same clothes? Like I try to imagine if God was gonna take a family photo on the beach, what it would look like. Here's what I know. It wouldn't look like people like me, the only ones in the picture. It would look so diverse. There would be people who love dogs and people who love cats. God's family photo would have people that are male and people that are female. It would have people that are black and people that are white and every spectrum of ethnicity. There'd be people that are white collar and people that are blue collar. There'll be Democrats and Republicans, citizens and immigrants, and everything in between. Sisters and brothers, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for sons and daughters of the king to devour. But that little lion is on a short leash because the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the lion of Judah, is sitting on his throne. You are not a pawn of that little lion. You are a son, a daughter of the king, an agent of love and justice. So live that way. Pray with me. You, God, are so kind to send Jesus to open up life forever that we could be forgiven. That this physical world isn't all there is, but there is an eternal reality that's to come where there is peace and joy and justice and love forever. God, would you unify your sons and daughters? Would you help us to see that we're not pawns, that we cannot be oppressed by Satan, but we can certainly be influenced by Satan and used by Satan to bring about destruction on this planet. May that not be so. May we see that our battle is not against flesh and blood, that people aren't our enemy. Help us to love and to choose justice and fight for justice and love for every person that we might point them to you, Jesus, that might be a part of your family forever. We pray this in the victorious name of Christ, our coming King. Amen.